Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. Hey, it's Long Story Short with me, Bobby. Next up is my conversation with the one and only entrepreneur, Matt Higgins. I met Matt probably about a year ago or a little under that. And we had one of those end of the day meetings. I was late. He was late. We finally sat together and we were there for about an hour. I heard his whole story. He was funny. He was fast. He was upbeat. And his story is, you know, an amazing story because here's a guy that didn't have things handed to him. The guy quit school, high school, to start working. And he knew with the whole intention is he was going to get a GED. Um, I hope none of your kids are listening to that right now, but it worked for him. And then he became a reporter and eventually Rudy Giuliani hired him as his press secretary during 9-11. I mean, that's pretty amazing stuff. And on top of that, just to make one more thing, the guy had a dream to be on Shark Tank. Guess what? He's been on Shark Tank. He is quite a guy. Very funny, very interesting, and I cannot wait to ask him a zillion questions. Here's my conversation with Matt Higgins. What's the best way to actually schedule a dinner? Is it your wife? I like doing it it directly, to be honest. You like doing it directly? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for something important to me, I'd rather do it directly. Well, you travel a lot. Right. So it's just better. Just like, I like, and you are in Jersey and we're homebody. We're like very antisocial. So it's perfect. No, so are we. My hair in a ponytail, sneakers. Yeah, I don't like this. I don't have any friends. So it's nice. No, I don't. I don't. Wait, shall we start? When do we start? I think we started about 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I, as I said, I met you one time, but we're kind of besties. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that it works. It was like instant magic. It was. It it's was. Cause, it's because we're Jersey transplants? <laughs> I don't remember. Are you originally from Jersey? I am not. I'm right, originally from I. Chicago. Right. So you probably had all these built-in misconceptions about Jersey, right? Uh, um, no, I, I actually chose New Jersey, and, I've, and I am actually inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame. Oh, see, maybe if I would, I would speak better. Uh, <laughs> I actually Yo. come to love Jersey. But when you grow up in Long Island, yeah. you spend your entire childhood you know, basically throwing shade on New Jersey. Uh, well, yeah. do you remember who introduced us? I do. I remember. Wasn't Reed who introduced us? No, I don't. Don remember. Garber. Oh, Garber, right? Yeah, Garber. Don Garber. Right. I just ran into his That's son, right. and I came to see you. You were so nice. You said, "Yeah, come tomorrow." So we came. I know nothing about you. I didn't know what to expect, and in like twenty minutes, I got your whole life story. And I think you're, I think you're such a fascinating person. I mean, thank you. Brilliant and kooky, which is my kind of people. Yeah, I tend to put it all out there, and then yeah. I regret it later. I like it's like no, you know, no. I wake up with like an overshare hangover. Like, why did no, I say that? No, but my I, wife, I'm always asking, was that okay? No, but your story is <laughs> amazing. So let's. I always like to start this podcast with talking about people's story because people that are successful and did something with their life, like they never talk about where they came from. And to me, that's who you are. Yeah. So where are I you like from? I like talking about where I came from. Where are you from? I'm from Queens. Okay. A place called Bayside. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the product of a single mother mm-hmm. and four rotten, miserable boys living in a tiny little garden apartment on a place called Springfield Boulevard. So your mother raised five boys by herself. Yeah, four boys. Four boys. Yes. That's yeah. insane. It is insane. And what number were you? I was the last. The last okay. is always the baby. Yeah, everything runs downhill. Yeah. Just, you know, if kids weren't listening, I'd say shit runs downhill. But uh, um, uh. you can edit that out. But yeah, uh, I was the youngest of four. Mm-hmm. And uh, very close to my mother. And my childhood shapes a lot of how I look at the world you know, mm-hmm. today. And when did you leave home? So it's cut. You want the whole story? I do. I do. The abbreviated version. I do. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so um, I've told this story before, but my we were really dirt poor, mm-hmm. and my mother never got a chance to get an education. And when she was when I was nine years old, she got divorced from my father, and she decided to pick herself up and get her a GD. She actually mm-hmm. didn't even have a high school diploma. She and what her, kind of work did she do? She was working at a group home mm-hmm. for adults with intellectual disabilities. And she always had a big bleeding heart. So she had a dream of becoming mm-hmm. a social worker right. and librarian. But she just loved school. And for her, education was always symbolized dignity. So when I was nine years old, I watched her get her high school equivalency diploma at a community college. Wow. And then she got into Queens College. Uh-huh. So throughout my childhood, it was this combination so- of... Growing up really poor right. and watching her slowly use uh-huh. education to right. lift her out. And when she was in college, what grade were you in? Um, I was probably I my earliest members are nine years old. Okay. And going with her on Saturdays to take she take these Saturday classes for right. four hours and I would sit in the back of the room and remember kind of watching my mother going through this, thinking, why are you going through this? But those are the the earliest, proudest moments I've mm-hmm. had of her because at the same time she was trying to raise these kids, no money. Everyone's crowded into a little apartment, and here she's going to you know, college on the weekends. That's that's amazing. Yep. And how old were you when your mom passed? Yeah, so I was um, – well, I'll, I'll fill in the blanks. Yeah. Uh, so you know, throughout my childhood, I'm watching, I'm watching this happen. Things are getting worse. She had a lot of health issues. I always say she had the trials of Job, pretty much everything thrown at her. Mm. Her knees would go. It was very hard for her to work. She struggled with obesity. She had a thyroid disorder. So a lot of my childhood was shaped with watching – what happens when you don't have that infrastructure around to help you? Mm-hmm. The fact that no one's going to swoop in. Mm-hmm. There's no like hero waiting in the wings and that you have to take charge of your own life. So probably around the age of 14, I had an epiphany mm-hmm. that uh, if my mother was able to drop out, get her GED you know, inadvertently as a result of her circumstances, I could use that same path, drop out of high school, and get to college as soon as possible and get the hell out of poverty, right? So Mm -hmm. that became my whole orientation. So I actually got left back three years in a row. I just decided to switch over to the truant side, and I'd Mm. sit in the back of the same homeroom for three years. Didn't (laughs) your mom get mad at you constantly? No, this is what was amazing about my mother. She... um, she, it's probably the greatest gift she gave to me. She always had unlimited faith, no matter how far fetched the plan was. Mm-hmm. So I was very intentional around the time in ninth grade. I think the Gulf War was happening too. And right. I'd go home and just watch the General Schwarzkopf briefings in the middle of the day. I told my mother, um, if I put side by side the results of going to high school for the next four years while, while we're drowning in poverty, it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. So I instead, I'm going to use that energy to work. I worked overnight in a deli and I'm going to drop out get my GD when I'm 16, and I'm going to enroll in college when I was 16. And that's what you did? 
And that's what I did. Now, there was a lot of hubris in between. Right. When I actually had to execute, that mm-hmm. was the hardest part because it sounds good on paper. Right. And I remember hanging out at McDonald's and I'd get picked up by the, you know, the truant police would come in and sweep the place out. And it was all fine until the day came when all the people you started going to school with are now moving on in their life. And I'm actually making the decision to drop out of high school. So it's probably one of the, not the darkest moments, but one of the most confusing moments, re- returning all my textbooks and sitting on the steps of Cardoza lighting a cigarette, thinking like, what the hell did I just do? I mean, this is a pretty far-fetched move, but that was like a day. Mm. (laughs) And then I started executing the plan and I learned a lot at that moment. Like I said, no one's going to save you, but also um, everybody in my life at the time said, you're making a huge mistake. And in school, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't an underperforming kid, you know, all, all up until I started high school and no one could understand, like you're throwing your life away. And I was very honest. I actually know you have no visibility into what's going on behind those closed doors. My mother's getting progressively um, uh, more sick. I don't think it's going to end well. And I need to make as much money as humanly possible. And getting a college degree seems to be the fastest way to do it. It took a lot to block out the people who said that's, that's, you're going to be judged for the rest of your life if you do that. And, um, having done it, I got into college. I started, what college? I started Queens College. Mm-hmm. It's not Harvard, but I love it. Yeah. Started yeah. college. And by the end of the uh, my 16th year, you know, 16 year old, I was president of the debate team and I went back to my prom. And I remember being like, how about them apples, right? Like, took, took, took someone to the prom. Who'd you bring to the prom? She was beautiful. What was she, her I name? I don't remember her name. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I could lie and make it up, <laughs> but right. I don't remember her. But she was, wherever you are out there, yeah. I apologize. But, but um, you blew it, honey, I did. wherever I blew you are. Yeah. No, not I you. Know, no, she I blew, blew it. it. She was beautiful. But, okay. Um, mm. No, but I. Those are important lessons. I tell everybody that all the time because yeah. we have a ten- tendency to outsource our judgment mm-hmm. to supposed experts, right? But if somebody doesn't have full information, partly because you're hiding it, right. right? I had a lot of shame when I was a kid. I didn't, you know, I would wear those guest jeans and Jordache jeans to hide the fact that I was sleeping literally on the floor on a mm. torn up mattress. That there's a limit to which right. you trust others and trust that inside voice. So that was where um, that was where my journey began, and I started college. Mm. Um, took me about seven years to graduate. Okay. Well, you worked the whole time. I worked the whole time. Mm-hmm. I became a, a newspaper reporter when I was a kid. I had a muckraking columnist. Okay, wait, called. wait. How did you become a newspaper reporter? You didn't have a paper route or route, depending where, where what part of the country you're from. You were a <laughs> reporter. You just called up a newspaper and said, I'm going to write? So that's interesting. Um, I started working for Congressman Gary Ackerman uh-huh. when I was young. And I learned something uh, – very important that I tell people to this day that whatever the task is, no matter how menial, make yourself indispensable at it, right? Mm-hmm. And find the one task that either nobody wants to do or nobody knows how to do. So when I worked at McDonald's, it was scraping gum off the bottom of the chair. And I made that the you know the biggest thing I could ever do is scrape the most amount of gum in a course of a day. For did Gary use, Ackerman. Wow, did you use Goo Gone or just? No, I just used a little scraper because okay. oh. I worked at the party room. Gotcha. And those little rotten, oh. miserable miscreants would go ahead and put gum oh. on the bottom of the chair and Springfield Boulevard <laughs> and Bayside. But so when I worked for Gary, when I worked for the um, congressman, at the time, mail merge was like a new mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And everyone was, what are these computers? And how right. do you do mail merge with WordPerfect? Uh-huh. And I was like, I know how to do, I know how to do mail merge. I could, because then since I was young, they assumed you, you I would. Right. And I remember staying up all night long, like I'm going to throw up. Like, I don't know how to merge these <laughs> letters. Like, you know, wanting to cry. <laughs> like, this is a disaster. But I figured out how to merge the letters. Mm-hmm. And by the time, by the second campaign, I was maybe 17, they made me deputy campaign manager mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever the trajectory was. Yeah. So I learned, make yourself indispensable mm-hmm. as much as you possibly can. I was a good writer as a kid, and um, Congressman Gary Ackerman at one point owned the Queen's Tribune. And they were looking to start a new column called the Trib Action mm. Desk, where people would send their little problems, and uh, and we would try to solve them. Right. And for those of you guys that are listening, this is the kid that would come home from school and literally for your entertainment would watch 
politics. Yeah, yeah I would watch politics. Right. right. So was, you were doing your passion. Right. I was doing my passion, and I loved writing. And my mother mm-hmm. and I, we used to sit there together, and it, you know, things got worse with her. We would write greeting cards together. Mm-hmm. We would write. I could still remember today. Yeah. We wrote a children's book together. Oh, do you still yeah. have it? Yeah, Benny and the Bee Tree. <gasps> Benny loves animals and insects that crawl, and even those bugs that slide down the wall. Okay, I'm sorry, you should this. publish yeah, that book yeah, in no, honor I of know, your mom. I know. I've, I've been. That I've, would be I've, awesome. All these little things. Yeah. Um, but so. I always wanted to write, right. and they were starting this column, and I had a lot of knowledge about how the government worked mm-hmm. from another job I had, another right. part-time job working at a community board, and I launched this column. Mm-hmm. And I took what was a little idea, which could mm-hmm. have been about potholes and you know cutting tree limbs right. that might fall down, yeah. and turned it into a, a platform for investigative journalism. Uh-huh. And I would get these great leads and run around in my beat-up Nissan Maxima you know, with the, the radiator leaking, or is a radiator, my wife always gives me for the Queen's R's, but uh, run around town. Yeah. And try to solve these problems. And every time I got into something great, I would reach out to a reporter at a real paper, quote unquote, and turn it into something a lot bigger. And that that's really was the start of my career. These little seeds of a great idea would turn into, you know, big investigative uh, stories that would get citywide attention. Right. And what was your first job out of college? I know what it is, but what, what's your first job? Well, I guess I would, they were all in college. So how do I how do I describe that? I, mean, I was working for Giuliani. Right. Right. Is so you, oh, one? I thought I thought you were out of college. By the no, way. that's right. That was my first one. That was right first. first. Yeah, everything yeah. blurs together. Right. I was okay. a reporter. I was working. Right. At a, yeah. So uh, Giuliani was my first job out of college. That's huge. Fun. Yeah. No, it was a big that's deal. Huge. And I the column is actually what led to that job. I had been solving these problems. I got a decent amount of attention, and I remember I was profiled in the Daily News, and it was. Uh, Matt Higgins, a real action hero, which is pretty oh, awesome. Cool. Do you here? still have that? Yeah. No. I oh, don't come know. on. I don't save stuff. Oh, I'm come terrible. on. Let's find it. Yeah, come I need on. an archivist, Google that. Heather. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I have a um, on my website, Just Bobby, I have one whole side that's just archives where I yeah. take pictures and now I write the story behind it. Do you really? That's yeah. me. I wish yeah. I had done that, especially well, during post-September 11th. Yeah. I wish I had documented okay. more. But Giuliani was my first, uh, my first oh. job. Yep. Wow. And um, only because we jumped so into it, like so... How do you describe what you do now? Okay, wow, it's a real no, transition. but we're going back and forth because I just like how I mean I can't even describe. Besides, you're a shark, and that's a whole story. How you became a shark? What is your job? And someone says, "Hi, I'm Matt Higgins. I do what?" Okay, I um I build companies, or okay. I help others build companies, right? So we we I'm a partnership with Stephen Ross, who I believe is one of the greatest entrepreneurs of our time. Too, uh, too below the radar, if you ask me, but I think now people are starting to understand really what Steve has done. But it's a partnership between us. We operate in sports, entertainment, food and lifestyle, and technology. The first version of us was to incubate companies from scratch, which we did a lot of. The later years have been about supporting founders who bring some type of magic to the table, but they're missing something at an inflection point. So in the food and lifestyle vertical, it's David Chang, Momofuku, he's our partner. And Gary Vaynerchuk is my partner. Mm-hmm. And Christina Tosi. Gary who? Gary Vaynerchuk. He's on Who's, the internet. Oh. He's a wine guy. and uh, we're, we're sitting here like, in his yeah. offices, so <laughs> exactly. we're just kidding. How did you meet Steve Ross? Steve Ross, he oversaw, he, oversaw, he was running the Miami Dolphins, and he needed some help with that. Well, how did you meet him? Um, I had left the Jets. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of ideas that I, were, I was going to pursue. Um, he had found out. Uh, that I had left the team, obviously. Well, how did you know him? Oh, we uh, the Jets and the Dolphins sit next to each other at NFL meetings. Okay. So it's a small okay, world. Okay, gotcha. Right? All so right. he had heard uh, okay. that I was leaving the team, mm-hmm. and he needed um, some support with the Dolphins. I, I wasn't interested in running a football team anymore on the business side, but I certainly knew what would go into it. And at the same time, I had ideas I was going to go out and pursue on my own. 
and we formed a partnership. And part of that was to, to really get the team uh, operating in the right direction on the business side. Uh, you don't want to put me anywhere near running the football side, right. but I, I know yeah. what to do with the business and hired an incredible CEO who's done a phenomenal job, Tom Garfinkel. And then we had these ideas. One of them was Gary Vaynerchuk. And one of them was to launch a PR firm with a guy named Jesse Darris, who's a force of nature and direct to consumer I have I have met with him. Yeah. One yeah. of them was to create this international soccer business, which is now the largest in the world. So, um, but these ideas, and it, it was a perfect, perfect marriage. But I was ready to go on, just go it alone. Okay. Very cool. So, okay. yeah. and I, um, and Gary's actually the genesis of everything yeah. I do. We hmm. can tell that story if you want. Yeah. Want to hear sure. That. Right. So, um, I, when I was at the New York Jets. After Giuliani? After Giuliani. Okay. I left um, after September right. 11th. I spent two years uh, helping to oversee the rebuilding mm. of the Trade Center as okay. chief operating officer of the new agency that was given the mandate. When um, Once we had a design for the Freedom Tower and the site, mm. I transitioned to sports. Um, spent eight years at the Jets doing different jobs. Okay. One of them was to try to get people to buy suites. Gary is the biggest proclaimed Jets fan on the planet right. and, and declared his intention to buy the team. So I figured he would have <laughs> enough money to at least buy a suite yeah. in the interim. So uh, <laughs> Gary, Wine Library, for those who don't know, is out in Springfield, New Jersey, right? Um, and I remember I met Gary at a bagel store to try to pitch him on buying a suite, right? And, and uh, that was 2009. So Gary's profile was certainly surging, but it's not where he is today. And um, I'd say that those, the next 30 minutes changed my life. I like to think they changed his too. And, and that was the beginning of me realizing one of the, I think one of the benefits of going through so much trauma when you're a kid and young is you're always, you're hypervigilant, sometimes to a bad degree, but you're always scanning the horizon, looking at patterns. How am I going to cope with this situation? How am I going to get out of this situation? And I think it cultivated the ability of me to recognize greatness and to, and to understand how things might play out. And so I sat with Gary in that bagel store, and he was doing his frenetic Gary thing, and he's just telling me how the world's going to play out. And for example, all these big companies, you know, they're not going to be able to adapt to the changing landscape, and every single person is going to be their own content creator. And every company is going to be a content machine. You know, fuck NBC and, you know, Gary and all that. So everyone's going to have the tools in their own. And right. And after spending 15 minutes with him, there are like 10 actionable um, predictions that changed the world that he made in that period of time. So the first 10 minutes, I was thinking this guy's out of his mind. I was talking about the second 10 minutes was me and my little brother, AJ, he's still in college. But when he graduates, we're going to create the first social media digital agency in the country. And it's going to be huge. So at the end of the breakfast, we cut a deal. If he could take a player on the Jets and make that player Twitter famous, who otherwise would not be, that we would do a deal and I'd become the first client of VaynerMedia. And so we had wine uh, at a restaurant in New Jersey with the player. And Gary and his little brother, AJ, went about transforming his brand. And, he, and uh, I remember I gave Gary four Jets tickets to become the first client of VaynerMedia. Um, fast forward, when I partnered with Steve, I introduced him. And you know, this is what I love about Steve. It took probably took him less time than it did yeah. me even the bagel story. And he was like, "Why didn't you, you know, partner up from them?" Yeah. You know, like wow. that's always a speech I'm getting from Steve. Like, yeah. You got to go all wow. in, right? I'm always hedging more. Mm -hmm. But um, and then we did a deal, become Gary's partner, and it's about giving support, giving right. money, mm -hmm. giving resources. But when we became a partner. I don't even know how many employees we had, but let's say 50 employees or something. Wow. In, in this hour. space we're sitting in now? Yeah. yeah. How no. many we got here? No, how no, many? yeah. It's probably all together in the empire. It's approaching 1,000 employees. Yeah. 
So that that was important, and I and again I trace that all the way back to sitting on the steps of Cardoza High School, right? The ability to see something special, see a path, not really care whether anybody validates it, because you know the context. I knew that a guy like Gary, it actually would be easy to overlook his brilliance because he's unconventional and a little bit of a chip. We talk about this all the time. Gary loves the big reveal, you know, he's got the chip on his shoulder and still still proving everybody wrong. I'm like, I think you won, but if you wish to continue to prove it wrong, that's fine. But we. Uh, that to me was really important, getting that first rep and seeing something great and backing him. And that's pretty much what I do now. It's whether it's spotting a trend and helping incubate it like Drone Racing League or seeing a, um, a partner who's not stuck, but like there's a, there's, a, there's a piece that can be supplied. I like to think I, we bring that, that missing point. And that's what Steve is just amazing. So it's not just money you're bringing. It's, I think the money is money. I mean, people say money is truly cheap. Right. If you're talented, you can attract money from anybody. But I have so many disaster stories in our portfolio where people took the wrong money. And the wrong money usually comes in the form of somebody seducing you, saying they're going to bring all the strategic value and they don't. Or at its worst, they might derail your entire vision. Like they don't get you. Um, but that happens all the time. And there's no way of knowing. It's like entering a bad marriage. Yeah, I think there is a way. I, I, we do a ton of diligence. I'm a firm believer in what, number one therapy for yourself and others, but also using all the tools at your disposal to figure out what makes a person tick so you could try to anticipate where things might go wrong and have an open conversation at the beginning. So even with a lot of our deals, we'll bring in an industrial psychologist and we'll spend four hours with the founder and try to figure out you know, what makes you tick because if at least everyone's got issues, right? I mean, that's always the problem. When you're doing a deal and you can't figure out the issues is when you worry the most. Everyone's got issues. If you can bring them out at the beginning of a relationship, then you can refer back. Remember we talked about this, right? Mine too, right? I always share all the data I can, um, but I, I place a high premium on understanding the person going into those deals. So this is what you mostly do. This is like your 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 day-to-day, your, I mean, it's amazing. But also there's this other side of you that is emerging where you are now on Shark Tanks, and I met you right before, and you've kind of blown up, and all these cool things are happening. How did you get on Shark Tanks, and what is that experience like? Yeah, that's that's um, an interesting question. So can I tell you the genesis of it? My um, starts with my son. My son is incredibly smart, very curious. How old is he? He is 12. Okay. Not very interested in sports uh-huh. <laughs> or anything related okay. to that. You know, we, uh, you know, you doesn't go to a lot of football games or soccer or anything else, but he likes watching Shark Tank with me, and we would watch Shark Tank together all the time. I've seen every single episode. I'd, I'd tell him about a deal I've done, and he would say, well, did you get a royalty? And I was like, that's bullshit. Like, only only Kevin O'Leary gets that. But we would have these tender, honest conversations about it, and it occurred to me, wouldn't it be amazing to go on that show? And I think, at least to me, that show represents everything that's both great about the country, great about being an entrepreneur, great about somebody having money and resources and intellect and kind of reaching back and giving it to somebody else. I just was a fan, and I'm not a fan of a lot. I'm not a big watcher of TV. And that began the idea of, can I go on Shark Tank? And as improbable as it was, because I came out of nowhere, I didn't have the profile, I spent almost a year getting to know the people at Sony and ABC and the show. Like, who was like how, who was your first call to say, uh, I want to do this? Um, there's a wonderful guy named Reed Bergman, mm-hmm. who uh, is really great at spotting talent and nurturing talent to achieve a dream. I spoke to Reed, and I said, I have, I have this idea. And he said, Matt, Matt, well, Maddie, if you know, um, you're going to be on Shark Tank. Like, we're going to make this happen. I was, like, you don't know what you're, I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. He's like, Maddie? telling you we're gonna get it going we went to sony and i had the most magical conversation uh with a guy named clay who's the executive producer 
And we sat down together for two hours and I told the story of dropping out and my mother and everything I've been through. And he said, you are exactly what this show is about. You know, this is what you do for your day job. You know, that was one hurdle. And Holly Jacobs and all these different people and Rob Mills at ABC. There's a lot of hurdles to get on the show. You could imagine how many people reach out. But I'd say the major constituents are the show itself, executive producer and the team there, Sony, which owns the show, and then ABC, which airs the show. They all had to clear me being on it. Um, but it was improbable. My biggest problem was that I was not going to watch myself on, you know, on uh, – on TV and on demand for the rest of my life, like 50 pounds overweight. So I had to lose a ton of weight in anticipation that it might happen, which is very hard to get motivated, especially somebody who's always battled, you know, weight and eating issues for my whole life. I had to lose all that weight in the hopes that I would get on the show. And you lost the weight. I did and lose the weight. And you're smaller than when I met you. I am, yeah. So you're I, continuing. I am. I, I do. I go through extreme. Well, first, I lost 50 pounds yeah. okay. in the course of a year. You are definitely one of those extreme guys. I am. I yeah. used to run marathons to try to counteract <sighs> it and so forth, but I haven't won, run one in a while. Well, but you like, can't run if you're not eating carbs. No Well, offense. that's the problem. But yeah. I, but a lot of compensating yeah. behavior to try. Right. Like a lot of people yeah. out there who are listening to this, that right. they admit of it, course. right? You sort of yo-yo dieting and back and forth. And this time I tried to make a, a substantive change. But um, no, I lost the weight. I've kept it off. Okay. I, as Gary says, Gary hacked his weight by having somebody with him all the time who trains with him. You have to hack whatever it is that makes mm -hmm. it work for you rather yes. than listen to conventional wisdom. Right. Because Sounds a little nutty, but no, I don't. No, it's not. It's lifestyle changes. And I would have a hard time being a judge on Shark Tank because I feel so bad for all these people that have stupid ideas. Yeah. I just feel bad for them. I just want to like say, guys. Come on, let's just talk about this. Like, I kind of want. Well, why can't you do that? There I, should, I, there I should, took that approach. There should be another Shark Tank where I take all the rejects and I help them actually improve. By the way, it's funny you said that. So one of the um, one of the deals I didn't do on Shark Tank, I felt like everyone was unduly dismissive. And since I was the newbie, I didn't want to jump up and then right. get smacked down. Yeah, but I was watching it go on saying. I don't think they're going to – like the, the, the consensus was that she's going to go out of business. It was a right. mother-daughter team from Supergirl. Right. And while they had some issues like every other business, they had mm -hmm. been around for, yeah. uh, say, 10 years. Wait, they, they were the so the soup ones? They are, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, how is they're, that the, one doing? So they're doing great. But okay. I, want, I remember I'm sitting there. I wasn't willing to invest. But there's a difference between something that at the moment is an investable concept between, and a failure. So what I thought about this segment was kind of interesting. Everyone was – basically concluding that they're going to be out of business. And it was just so painful to watch. And I remember I spoke up for the first time and, and Mr. Wonderful Kevin turns and says, don't listen to anything Matthew says. <laughs> so, uh, But after the show, I decided to call them up and said, you know what? I, I think you're onto something. I want to help you get there and don't let me down. I so are you, you an advisor? Right. Or did I'm you an give advisor, them money? yeah. I'm talking to them. I'm helping them figure it all out, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. So I agree with you, though. I, but that's fun. I, see, I do that with companies all the time because right. I'm, I'm obsessed with founders also right. and people starting new companies. And a lot of people just don't have common sense. Yeah. It's like you don't waste all this money. Like you don't need – you don't – look, I grew the first cosmetics company – you know, without an investor. Yeah, well, we're in an incredible era right now. So everyone is being told that founder is at the top of the pyramid, right? Everyone's just, if Maslow had a pyramid, you know, founder would be right up at the top. And so everybody is aspiring, which is good and bad because at the same time it makes it sound like it's so easy. And everyone has access, everyone has a platform, everyone has Instagram. And so um, on the one hand, I think we're making it make uh, look too easy. But on the other hand, it's great that everybody has a show, yeah, right? I think it's great. I mean, it kind of reminds me of when our grandparents came here from another country. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's a hey, good country. Hey, let's open up a store. Right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then you, so 
But um, I, that's what I love about the show. At the same time, I like the authenticity. What was interesting, having gone through it, everyone asked me, well, what's real and what's not real? Everything is real. Like there, first of all, no preparation, which I thought there'd be like an onboarding, you know, orientation. Hey, be nice to Matt because he's never been here. And I remember the, uh, the, uh, the lights started and I, for the first good minute or two I just sat there and didn't say anything well no one was inviting me in and they all just started talking over each other Uh and then at one point Cuban leans over and says you know hey Matt did you come here to do anything I was like whoa whoa, is that on camera are we gonna edit that (laughs) edit you know like but um it was one of those uh you ever see Matrix right when Neil is like the bullets are flying he just sort of stops the bullet and just like pushes them back I was like you know what so it was the first thing you said do you Um, remember your first line that you like no, I just jumped in. I was more a moment yeah. of, well, number one, no one's going to let me jump in here. Number, it was a little. I sat there kind of quietly thinking, eh, I do this all day long. I know exactly what's going on with this business. I know exactly the questions. Like, well, you know, what, this is no, you know, I got this. But uh, but I think Cuban put a little like smelling salt underneath me and kind of woke me up. And Lori Grenier is so wonderful. At the at the end of it, she turns. She goes, "You're doing great." Aww, <laughs> she like so turned nice. to me. You're doing so wonderful. Yeah, she like, seems like a nice girl. No, they, by the way, they're all. I don't want to ruin yeah. the, the the brand and whatnot, but they're all great in their own way, and they're all living their best life. And the good part about it is, it's real money, and everyone takes it very seriously. And the show is just an elongated version of what you see. Instead of being 15 minutes, it's basically you know 40 to 50 minutes and condensed. But the thing I found challenging, I like to think I'm a, somewhat of a human calculator. I can process valuation and percentages. When the lights are on and you're debating, um, you know, Kevin or Lori and so forth, it's it's hard in those early you know those early moments to sort of figure it all out. But at least you know that lingo. Like I'm I'm one of those entrepreneurs and business people that doesn't understand the financial part of it. I yeah. do, but I oh, I'm sure you do. No, no, no. But I, on live TV, I couldn't be talking about like. Ugh. Yeah, it's you just could. not me. It's not yeah, me. you. I'm sure. No. You can. Yeah. Well, but I I did feel comfortable, and then yeah. I have to say after we uh, after the first two pitches, I loved it. Uh-huh. It was a magical experience yeah. being on that show. And like, but are you still not, on the show? Huh? Are you still on the well, show? Well, they never they never tell you. So okay. You, oh, they you never don't tell know, you. Right? So yeah, you don't know. Okay. Like a big envelope, you know, arrives and like to let you know. So I, you know, here's my view. I'm I'm part of that institution forever. I was on a magical episode where those three kids came in. Who oh my had lost god! Their what parents, happened right? with that? Well, that was unbelievable. So I feel like what's great about it is whatever happens. Like I'm I'm connected to that show forever, and it made such a big impact. And my, my son got to be there the night, and my daughter. You know, the yeah, night we had rolled it out. But um, so the 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 um we we basically took them under our wing, and wings, and have work with them on every aspect of their lives to try to get them going. They're, and how are they doing? They're doing phenomenal. They have over 100,000 orders of cupboard. They've been working to make the product even better. Um, they've got a few announcements coming up. Like They're, they're going to do great. And what, what I love, the part of the story that didn't come out in that, in that episode, for those who don't know who are listening, right? these um, three kids, the young kids, first um, lost their mother to breast cancer. Father was a firefighter and was a big chef and had been on uh, two food shows, gone pretty far, and both of them won them, actually, uh, and uh, eventually had cancer from 9-11 and had a product called the Cupboard Pro. Buy one, please. Uh, which was basically a, a, a iteration of a cup of a uh, you know cutting board that would capture the juice and it would flow off into this catch, right? Simple, but in, right. but, but but genius innovation. Yeah. And uh, he would dream was to go into Shark Tank, so they put the whole pitch together. And three months before my show, the father died, and so these kids were able to steal themselves. Get on the show. The oldest, uh, Kaylee, is, uh, I think, 26 now. She was raising her siblings. 
and they walk out and even the episode doesn't quite do justice to it. Like these kids walk out like, hey, sharks, you know, we're the young kids. And then they, they show a video of their dad right. and her dad's talking and showing the product. You don't know why oh, it's a video. Oh, we all were hysterical crying Right, but home. I mean, but so yeah. I couldn't even function. You know, right. I was there on 9-11 with, with the mayor and just thinking about all the firefighters I had met. But what's great, what's magic is they, their lives have been transformed. They're incredible kids. And the part that didn't get told in that 15 minutes is the father had wanted them to be entrepreneurs and had, especially in Kaylee, had cultivated that fire. And he would tell her, I don't ever want you to work for anybody. And so she had spent a lot of her childhood going to trade shows, trying to get this traction. Trying, They had all the tooling and the tooling had rusted because her father had gotten sick. So they had no money to make the tools, which is why they had gone on the show. So here I am, my dream to get on this institution. And the first episode is these kids. So I, I look at it no matter what happens. It was, you know, magic. So you that. invested in their company. So we all decided to did something that never, did. never happens. And now right. I know why, by the way. Can you imagine? Talk uh, about hurting cats. No. Hurting sharks. Uh, it's much worse than hurting yes, cats. Yes. Like it was the most complicated coordination. And once every, and only because... This is we basically donated all the proceeds, so we each put in twenty thousand dollars, which is enough to get going, get the tooling and whatnot. So a hundred grand, but um, but more than that, we all just we all jump in. We've all worked with them. VaynerMedia has helped them with their e-commerce. Lori has helped them with Spotify. Damon has been working with them on helping them you know, get distribution. Right. Like everybody has done something. That's so cool. Where so, are they out of? Um, they're out of Long Island now. They have a okay. WeWork space in uh, in New York. So now oh, they're building cool. out. So now that they have Cupboard Pro, they're building out um, Firehouse Chef as a suite of products. So what's interesting to me is watch this one moment in time that's changed their life and it'll generate millions of dollars in revenue for the family. Now will become a brand that all three kids will work on. And how hard was it getting that name? Um, they had the they had the oh, name. Oh, they did. And yeah, they had the name. Wow. And like, and so it's been great. Behind the scenes, I've been mentoring them. Kaylee, the other day, uh, she had all these life questions that she needed to resolve. I said, oh, "Come fly with me. I got to go to Boston for the day." So she flew with me. We spent the whole day and talked through different chapters. So I, there couldn't have been a better Shark Tank episode to go on than than that. So so we'll see what happens um, in the future. So how many brands do you have now under your under the portfolio? Yeah. That is a good question. A lot. Like even, a lot, a hundred fifties, um, you know, well, over a hundred and different, wow. different, different. I mean, there, we do larger deals now. I think okay. in the, in the earlier days we would do more passive investments. Mm-hmm. So June oven, Bonza, do you know Bonza yeah. pasta? We're an mm-hmm. invest, first investor in love Bonza. Bonza. Yeah. yeah love good Bonza. fiber. Good fiber. You can have exactly. that. They just announced uh, rice. Uh, right. right? Okay. They, uh, Tell me about your wife. Yeah. I cannot wait to meet her. Yeah. She's a dynamo. She's gorgeous. Yeah, and she, you. she uses a hammer. Yeah. My wife's amazing. My, 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 um, just one of these people that can do everything, mm-hmm. and it's you can't figure out where it came from. I used to think she was like an undercover federal agent or uh-huh. something. I'm like, I don't get how you know how to do everything. Mm. Just a dynamo, and yeah. and a big part of why I was able to do Shark Tank, mm-hmm. kind of you know do all these different things, and she just is so talented. So mm. it's fun for me to share yeah. all these random skills she yeah. has. Like like who knows how to operate a chainsaw, cut down yeah. a tree, and can't and, wait to meet her and build from scratch. Well, you were you yeah. will. She's definitely not Jewish. What? No, 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 I, no. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah, she's, no, we don't usually like cut down trees. Yeah, she's originally stuff, from no. she's originally from Seattle. Okay, and oh. she's had multiple careers. She got mm-hmm. her uh, degree from Columbia in architecture. Okay, and oh. she's a licenced contractor. Oh, oddly. oh, my my, my yeah. husband's a developer. They really? have a lot in. Common. She's always asking anyone like all of our concepts, you know, can I just do the tile? I'm like, and so for Christmas, I always get her like a saw or any kind of Home Depot gift. It's very easy to shop for. Well, just tell me when you want to come stay at the George. And she's also notoriously 
uh, cheap is the wrong word. Like she's Practical. like, yeah, like like basically living for the apocalypse, yeah. right? Like so, you know, everything is about big survival yeah. during the dark times. Oh, so she likes to build practical. her. She makes her own clothes randomly. Oh my god! Yeah, no, that's what I'm telling you. It's, it doesn't yeah. add up. <laughs> so. so have you ever had your own brand? Oh, what do you mean? Like clothing? A, no, something, anything. Like, or have you ever thought about like because you're helping? And in- it's funny you said that. I, I, I one area. I, Rohan, Rohan has talked about this too. That when you back a lot of other ideas, this part of you that thinks, well, I never had my own brand or my own invention. So somewhere in my head is I really want to do mm-hmm. that. I don't know if that's ego, uh, just because my great great grandfather created um, uh, Higgins Inc which still huh. bears his name really? 100 and something years later. Wow. Yeah, he created it in like 1875. That's so cool. It was, um, it was one of the first India inks, permanent mm-hmm. ink, uh, built in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And the first time I encountered right. it, this is a crazy story. I had, you know, we're a typical American story, right? He was, he was wealthy at one point, written up the whole bit. All the fortune is squandered. You know, just everything now. Everyone's poor by the mm-hmm. fourth generation. Um, but the ink endured. Right. But I had never come in contact with it. And I had cancer uh, 10 years ago, testicular cancer. And as part of the process, I had radiation. And I remember I went in to get uh, to, to, to get ready for the radiation treatments, and they give you tattoos. And I wasn't, tattoos, what do you mean? They, they, so they, they have to make sure they mark the spot where you got the radiation field. Mm-hmm. And they're about to go ahead and load up the needle. And I said, well, what do you use? And he picks up, he's like, oh, this stuff. And it's Higgins Inc. Oh, my God. And I go, what? Get out of here. Oh, and he's like, Grandpa. And I go, I go why, do you, why do you use that? And he's like, ah, oh, it's the best. You can never <gasps> get it off. Aww. How great is that? Why don't you buy that company back? Wow. Well, I just don't tell anybody. That might be a day when I do. Higgins, oh, my God. Higgins we could Inc., do a Higgins right? eyeliner. Well, also, I like the way it's Higgins Inc., Higgins Incorporated, Higgins yeah. Inc. But, so uh, he gave me the bottle, huh. which I still have now on my desk, the, the ink that is now on my oh. body for the rest of my life, my great-grandfather so cool. in Brooklyn created. What was his first name? So uh, Charles. Charles oh. Michael Higgins. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was a patriot. came from Ireland, County mm-hmm. Eutrum. Okay. Um, but just a great immigrant story yeah. and great immigrant squander all That's resources so cool. story. Aww. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Well, you are a very incredibly interesting guy, and I look forward to, you know, asking you a lot more questions. Maybe over tequila. Well, thank and you. Not I on the find podcast. you amazing. I love what you're doing. Uh, by the way, I, feel I don't like, know what I'm doing. No, that's I, well, that's so what I love fun. about it. No, but I feel <laughs> you've had this extraordinary career. You were focused on on building, building, building. Mm-hmm. Now you're focused on sharing. And, well, I'm actually building, building, building. Well, I'll tell you a few things when we get. Well, off I want to hear that, yeah. but but. Regardless, I don't think yeah. you know you're just in the first inning of sharing everything yeah. too for this generation, and uh, I just love what you're pulling together. Aww. Well, cool. Well, all the people that are listening, I always like to ask my guests if if what is the one piece of advice that they can hear from you now that they could walk away and say I learned this from Matt. One thing. Um, and now I'm on the spot. I'll give you the first thing that popped into my head. I think that too many people look past the situation or the job they're in to the next step and don't realize that the path to that step is to make yourself absolutely indispensable in whatever you're doing right now. And somebody who is honorable and decent and just and cares about you will notice Mm. and they will now push you along to that next stop in your journey. People tend to sometimes, I think, get bitter or focused or just just make yourself indispensable and trust that somebody will notice and push you along. Could you tell that to all the new people that we hire? Please. Right. Well, yes. this is all a little bit. Of, this is a little bit of a speech to yeah. that, right? I mean, yeah. it's a little bit of yeah. a speech to that generation. There's a degree of impatience right, right now, uh-huh. and maybe not enough of a premium on experience. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think this generation 
is values are phenomenal, right? Like I have to give a commencement speech coming up, which I'm really excited <gasps> oh, about. Oh, it's my I've least favorite thing to do. Really? I've done four of them. I've and never I been. Hate I've them. never been more excited oh, about that. Who? Which college? Right, right. It hasn't been announced yet. I, okay, I can't say. Cool. But but here's what I'm. Are you excited. getting a doctorate? No, I want that too. Oh, come Where do on. I get this? I only. I only I only do the speeches if they give you doctorates. Really? I've had four of them. I should negotiate. I want to yeah. get that. No, but I think there's a tendency to dismiss every generation, right? right? Like those youngins, you know, in my day. Right. Like, but if you take a step back, if you judge every generation, especially this, just on the evolution mm-hmm. of their values, right. this generation's values are crushing it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they don't care who loves who. Right. Right. Yeah, they, they're they authentic. Are, they are colorblind. Yeah. They are support, you know, rights right. for transgender people. Uh-huh. Like this generation's crushing. And so the other stuff is, I think, typical curmudgeon you know, everybody needs a little bit of coaching, but yeah. I'm, I'm actually excited about where, where we are. I look at my kids like, God, you're amazing. I get lectured by my son all the time. Like, you're the minister of justice, you know, and you're – so I'm, I'm, I'm mostly excited, but I do find that one thing I would tell people, um, be patient and be – and make yourself indispensable. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's amazing advice. You're well, turning you. into a sage. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you. Having oh, and me. where could people find you? Uh, Instagram, mostly. Instagram. I'm Higgins. That's okay. where I sort of focus. I like Instagram. Okay. This is sort of hot. Yeah, I see you pod- talking to a lot of people. Oh, hotbed of positivity, yeah. right? Like yeah. Twitter, it's just too much, too yeah. easy to be hateful on Twitter. Yeah. So I just, I spend my time where I like it. Cool. Instagram. All right. Excellent. All right. All right. Thanks, thank Matt. You. So that was my conversation with Matt Higgins. That is some story. I'm so proud to call him my friend. And that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at justbobbybrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.